Hey there, you're listening to Tail Chase. On this episode, Graham and I sit down, talk a little bit about a bow hunt that we had been on, as well as some of the things that have been going on in our life. We also discuss Daniel Boone. I've been listening to this book by Robert Morgan called Boone that chronicles the life of the late great explorer Daniel Boone who traversed the Kentucky wilderness before our nation was even founded. It's pretty incredible some of the ways that we can connect with a man who spent his life hunting and trapping in wild country before flashlights were even invented. So thank you for listening and hope you enjoy this episode. Graham here. We are sitting in the basement of my uh, parents' house up here in northwest Missouri. Took uh, a weekend to come up here and do a little bit of bow hunting and running the dog. And we were hoping to get to fly some falcons, but the wind is just really not cooperated. Man, it is. It's ridiculous. Like 70s. And 20 mile an hour winds, and then up high it's, you know, 30 or 40. And just when I was getting going, too, it's really frustrating. Yeah, and what's even more frustrating is driving around and seeing all the ponds full of ducks. Yeah, which, I mean, granted I haven't done a whole lot of driving in northeast Kansas where I'm living, but um, the ponds that I do have that were full of ducks a couple weeks ago when we had that, like, winter weather that uh snow and stuff mm-hmm. that batch moved through and like really i'm not seeing hardly any ducks anymore but there's a bunch up here yeah they'll be back it uh is just a matter of time before you'll see more <laughs> i want that to open the episode and and your little chuckle too that's fine yeah, we've uh, we've enjoyed some libations and kicking back a little bit, you know, if nothing else, because the hunting hasn't been spectacular. Although we've we've had some luck. I uh, I saw one buck that I maybe would have shot. Didn't really get a whole lot of a chance at him the way that he came in uh, to get it on film, which is kind of the whole goal of. Well, not the whole goal, but a big part of what I'd like to accomplish this year. And Well, you had a good shot this morning. You just didn't take it. <laughs> 40, at least, you know, it was 50, yeah, like 50, 55 yards on a two-and-a-half-year-old buck. Not not something I'm eager to pull the trigger Are you on. talking about the one with the doe or the one that went running by? The one that went running by. Okay. Yeah. You could have made it. You're a good shot. Maybe back in the day, my skills have waned since I've been focused more on falconry. Um, yeah. Depends Wind on, didn't help us this morning either. No, no, we got winded by that doe that was being trailed. 
chased around by this little forky buck and we were kind of hoping they were going to come uh through the woods it, you know obviously wasn't going to shoot the the little buck but maybe get things mixed up in the woods a little bit if there was a big big uh mature buck around and she uh she hit our scent like a wall yeah just like dead stop yeah on a i mean not a sprint but she was like running and then just like boom yeah 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 so that didn't pan out this morning gonna head out here as soon as we end this podcast and go sit again for the evening in the wind and heat definitely not anticipating when i was planning this trip dealing with 75 degree weather during the day in early november yeah pretty uncharacteristic for up here yeah so, um, it was good to get the dog out. Uh, yeah. Got into some ducks, some gadwall, and uh, the snipe and some mm-hmm. bobwhites. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was pretty awesome. He. He's a mediocre bird dog. Um. Mostly of no fault of his own. I think it's lack of consistent exposure to birds on on my part and uh, me not really knowing what I'm doing the way that I should have or wish I would have looking back uh-huh um, but we did we did end up getting into a covey of quail and harass them for better part of two hours yeah definitely could have brought some more to the bag I uh was some better shooting yeah um it was there's one there's only one uh, flush that I, I shot twice and missed that was like oh yeah I should have got that bird really the rest were like yeah. I think I had two because I the shots that I had they were going they were coming out of the fence line just flying straight away mm-hmm. and that's like that should be a gimme yeah you'd think that's not as easy as it looks a lot of the time and they were they were rocketing out of there pretty good. But it was it was fun, and he, I don't know, I don't think he pointed any. He kind of mishandled them, which I I knew going in. There's a pretty good chance that's how he's gonna do it because he just doesn't know the right amount of scent to stop on with wild birds. And mm-hmm. it's hot. By the time we got over there, he's like panting hard. Yeah. Um. So it's it wasn't ideal conditions for teaching him what he needs to be taught, but. We did find the birds. He did retrieve them. Um, I wonder... Uh, and then jump shot that. Uh, the... Uh, Gadwall? Gadwall this morning. Yeah. He got some exposure there, too. You know, I wonder... Um, when I was telling my dad about our, our experience yesterday, and he said something about his his short hair, his best one, um, not really getting quail uh, until she was like four and and he wondered he was like she must have no nose or something because she would just bowl over them and then they'd flush but she at that point did get pheasants like she would point pheasants and she was pretty decent on them but it wasn't until later in life that like she it was like something clicked and all of a sudden she knew how to handle quail and that was when he had um edward scissorhands mm. uh goshawk imprint male mm-hmm. um and um and they used to have a lot of fun with quail yeah you know you because you bust up the covey and then go chase the singles and all that so 
yeah, that would be fun. And and that's what I'm hoping this year is I really need to make it a bigger priority to get him on birds consistently because I think it will click. He he is eager to please and he when he's in the right frame of mind handles stuff properly. It's just sometimes he gets where he just wants to run and chase. Mm-hmm. And I, he seemed to kind of be in that mindset a little bit this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the anticipation of being, you know, in and out of the truck so much or what, but um, it, it did not help anything. But anyway, we, we did end up scratching out a few birds and, and had a good time with it. Yeah. It would it would be a nice capper to the weekend if we can knock over a big giant buck tonight. Might get lucky. It's that time of year. Yeah. It's it's honestly been a really fun reset for me this weekend. Um being just being out in nature and being in a place that I love and care about so much is is this farm and we were sitting out on the back deck last night, just looking at the stars, smoking a cigar, and sipping some whiskey. And it's like, man, I could deal with some more of this. Yeah. The only thing that's missing is my falcon being up and running. But we're getting there. She's. Oh, it's been a nightmare trying to sort all this out with this tundra of falcon that doesn't molt worth a damn. Yeah. She's still got feathers coming in, and so what I like, I know what she needs is drop down. Mm-hmm. in weight to get the behavior that I want out of her, you know, she and and a bunch of manning mm-hmm. is what she needs. But I I'm really tentative to drop her weight much because she does have those feathers coming in and I don't want to compromise the quality of those feathers as they grow because it is taxing on their metabolism uh growing those feathers. And so if, you know, if they don't get the nutrition that they need, then you get what are called fret marks for those of you who aren't initiated out there that are basically weak points in the feather that make them more likely to fail, you know, break break or or bend in that spot. And she has some weird markings that are like light fret marks, basically on her feathers already from the molt, which I don't know what that's about because she was fed just, a high-quality diet and with supplemental vitamins as well. Just on the on the webbing, though, right? Like, yeah, not right. on the shaft? Right. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen it, you know, in wild birds and stuff. But I don't know what it means. I, I don't know if it is, like, a real light fret mark or what that is yeah but uh it's interesting yeah for sure but she's she's i've brought her down a little bit and she's starting to shape up definitely not to the point where i want to cut the uh creance off and start running her up to the drone yet but we'll be there for too long yeah she stepped up to me the other uh earlier today with your bare hand no i put a glove on she's pretty footy so be careful no I just wanted to see what she would do, um, and she just, yeah, kind of hyperly hopped up to me, mm-hmm. and then hopped back. Yeah, and I, what I really should be doing probably is sitting at home with her on the fist a bunch, but the draw of the woods brought me up here. Yeah, well, she's getting good manning, yeah. being in the house, and um, 
Uh, I've got both my birds here, the prairie and the three-quarter Jer Peregrine. And, um, and then the dog running around and us coming in and out and my girlfriend's here, so she's a lot of activity she's getting exposed to, so that's good. Yeah. What did you, uh, talk with your girlfriend at all about what she thought about kicking around for quail this morning? Not since we did it. I think she had a good time, though. Seemed like it. Yeah. She, uh, whenever we've, we, uh, traveled some this, uh, summer and she's been pretty gung-ho about anything that I've taken her to do like outdoors wise she likes to run and most Mm. of her running she does outside as long as the weather's permitting so like hiking in the woods and going fishing and all the stuff that I like doing she has enjoyed especially the fly fishing she enjoyed immensely like in Spokane Mm mm-hmm um, we actually ended up staying a little bit longer on our visit there, uh, because she wanted to keep fishing, that's which cool. was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. That I've been, uh, as I, with, with my job, I'm able to listen to a lot of audiobooks and stuff uh-huh. and I've been listening to this, uh, biography on Dan, <laughs> Daniel Boone and, uh, the either, for those of you who listen or have read much about Boone, like he's a very um, colorful character, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things that are attributed to him that are not accurate. And oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. Like he wasn't the first person over the Cumberland Gap, and. Hmm. Like a lot of people, like he was larger than life, even at the time that he was living and, and definitely thereafter. But one of the, you know, big things that people talk about in his life is his wife and how they met and, and all that. And one of the interesting things that the author kind of noted was that one of the reasons why Daniel Boone was able to be the, uh, the explorer and um, hunter that he was is because he had a strong woman at home. Yeah. That she was capable of taking care of the children and the homestead and was able to at least make some kind of living while he'd be gone for, you know, like a very, very extended period of time, you know, months and years at a time. No, he was, wasn't he like a trailblazer? Like he would take expeditions of people out west to go, or not, I mean, at the, not west-west, but... Into Kentucky. And yeah, at the time. So I haven't listened to the whole, um, like it's in chronological order. Okay. So I don't know. I have, I'm not to that point in his life yet in the book. So but, the, well, but while he was gone, these times that you're talking about, was he out just hunting and fishing, trapping? Mm-hmm. Hunting, fishing, trapping. Yeah. Okay. Um, in large part for uh, bears, for, oh. to, for bear bacon, which was really popular at the time, and deer hides huh. um, for clothing and workwear. Interesting. Yeah. What and what the, era was this? Uh, pre. Uh, the, the point that I'm up to is pre-revolution. 
Okay. And he he plays some role in the revolution as well, or you know, not I don't think in much of the fighting that went on, but uh-huh. um, like I said, I'm not to that point yet in in his life in the book, but he's he's definitely a, an interesting character. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, like somebody like I, you know, looked up to. Oh yeah, thing, I like, read a lot of uh, oh. If I like saw the things, kind of like the greatly illustrated classics. Do you remember mm-hmm. those? Yeah. Like there were uh, abridged versions of longer books um, about Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett, Sitting mm-hmm. Bull, you know, and just yeah. poured over that stuff like it was a drug. I mean, just absorbed every word at the time. Yeah, it's it's really been interesting listening to this book for me because there's so many parallels and um, points in like th- points in his life and things that happen to him that I can connect with, I guess. Yeah, as being somebody who has a passion for the outdoors, you know, obviously he's a much different and. Uh, stronger outdoorsman than I will ever be. Yeah. You know, born out of necessity at that time of the world, but I, you know, I still feel connected to the woods. I think similarly to the way that somebody like him would have been. Did he talk about it? Did he ever, did he write anything or like talk about his experiences or is this all like secondhand stuff about him? You you should read the book. There's there's a lot of stuff about him from other people and secondhand accounts. You know, people in his life um, that they talked to after the fact. But I mean, he was literate, and yeah, he did write some things. Um, but like that that wanderlust that you and I kind of grapple with a mm-hmm. lot of the time, and that you know d- desire to to go west or to seek places that support you know our passions mm-hmm. it called to him too mm-hmm. and like I've, I've got a little couple little quotes here written down or, or not quotes but like ideas and things that were proposed by the author and that however much he loved his wife children and mother his desire to wander always came first that's something I mean last night we were talking about is that balance of like putting your family and Mm -hmm. your loved ones first and how many sacrifices and concessions we make for you know or or force on our family and the people we care about in order for us to go do the things that we want to do and kind of feeling guilty for that I mean he'd leave for he just disappear yeah. you know, for months and months at a time and come back and, you know, I, I, I can't speculate on what that was like, you know. And Yeah, I and, wonder what their relationship was like. Yeah. Well, I mean, at one point in time, I think he was gone for two years. Um, <laughs> and there's there's a lot of speculation on the, the details of, of this, but... Um, he was captured by Native Americans uh-huh. and and held prisoner, and he was presumed dead. 
and came home and his wife was pregnant. Oh no. And he just, um, there's like, there's speculation that, um, on multiple fronts on that. And apparently it's possible that he actually liked that. That was not true. That it was somebody else's like that. He was in the air, like in the area at the time and could have sired the kid. So like maybe he snuck away for a day or something. Well, or... I mean, he wasn't in captive. Like he wasn't like he got captured on day one. Like he was like out and about and you know. Okay. Like, over that, I think it, that those periods. Coins, so it was whatever. unknown exactly where he was and what he was doing right. at that time. Right, and um, or at least my understanding anyway. But he's like attributed with like saying, "Well, whose is it?" Uh-huh. And she says his brother, Oops. who lived in the area, and he goes, "Well, at least it's in the family," and what? Then, and then just was fine with it, and just raised Boy, the kid like his own. Different times, yeah. Well, I mean, a, a very, very different yeah. times. I mean, that's the thing that's been around in multiple cultures and uh, uh for a long time, like. If if you if you're married and you die, then your brother should marry your wife or vice versa. You know. Yeah. Which well, I don't know if that's a... like a. I don't know what the motivation for that is. Maybe genetics. Like they're like. I mean, if it's all about continuing your genetics, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, well, the closest thing is gonna be a sibling. Yeah. And everybody's. I mean, that's. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. You might want to cut that part out, but no. I mean, I I think it's it is an odd tendency. You know, where that comes from, I don't know. Well, the, the author made another interesting observation about the like little living situations, in that they're in small cabins, okay, and they'd have eight or ten people. In those cabins, and they like I'm talking small, like smaller than a lot of people's bedrooms. Yeah, and they still procreated. Yeah, like you know, like just packed in there like sardines, and like it's just that would be very like very hard to imagine for most people uh-huh. these days when that part of your life is usually pretty private. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah, one-room cabins and stuff mm-hmm. with your whole family. I mean, I bet kids caught or knew their parents were making more kids a lot more often than they do oh, now. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, to kind of get back to, you know, that, that balance of, you know, your passions and the things and the outdoors calling to you and your family. You know, one of the things that... I'm not so sure that he grappled with it, but some people kind of accused him of is how much he hunted and uh, trapped and, you know, went out and explored that he never grew up. People said that. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, was a really interesting idea to me because at that time, you know, to me, that's like, that's the time that you would have done those things. Yeah, like for a living. Yeah. Right. And that's that's definitely something that like I've felt at different times. Like, am I being childish by caring so much about falconry and bow hunting and fly fishing? And like, is this silliness? Like, is yeah. this... Uh, 
I mean, how do you justify it? It's hard to, but it I is. can't. But and I can't, and it's hard for me to even explain. Yeah. Why it can. Oh, I hate arguing with my significant other about it because yeah. I can't win. Yeah. But it's like, but uh, it's never going away. Yeah. It's an itch that I gotta scratch. Yeah. And you you wonder. It's like, okay, should I be growing up? Should I be setting aside these things that, like, I feel I get a, a huge benefit from, but it def like there's no arguing that it comes at a cost to a lot of things in my life. But I I don't know that I'm capable. Yeah. Or would would be a productive member of society in any capacity if I wasn't able to. And, and in at least some small way engage with the natural world. Yeah. Um, you know, d- did you watch that uh, Stars in the Sky mm-hmm. thing? Um, so they made the point in that film uh, that which is more bizarre to... Um, in this day and age, be hunting and killing your own food when you could just walk into a supermarket and buy a bunch of chicken breasts? Um, or is it more bizarre that you are a human that evolved all these traits, canine teeth, forward-facing eyes, the capacity to throw things, grab things, use tools to all that were crucial for making you a prime, uh, well, an apex predator, uh, and yet you don't act on it, or you uh, feel bad about it, yeah, about acting on those things, which yeah. is more weird. Oh, I, I like, I hope that I'm able to hunt for the rest of my life. Like it, there's just something powerful about engaging with the natural world in that way yeah uh oh man yeah although it's weird um i've noticed that living in the city for the last couple years that part of myself i feel like if i were to continue to live in the city where um the outdoor activities that i like to pursue aren't readily available would slowly die. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I would become domestic. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that, uh, that fire fading. Uh huh. Um, but I don't think it's replaced with anything good. No. Uh, I would say, and I, I don't know that the, there's, you know, correlation does not equal causation. But I would say that I'm more addicted to my phone, for example, than I've ever been. Yeah. You know, like, um, I find myself even, even now when I'm out there doing what I like to do, fly my bird, having the urge to get on my phone, it's, it's weird. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, birds done flying, birds eating, I can sit here and do nothing, or I can get on my phone. Like it's it is like the gut reaction to any type of boredom. Yeah, you know, for, for sure, man. It's kind of scary. 
yeah, I, I've been thinking about uh, deleting my um, social media off of my phone at least um, for a while just to kind of rein it back and get it under control. But, um, yeah, living in the city, I feel like that has happened um, because I'm not out doing that kind of stuff that I used You know, I'm not out fly fishing every day. And I've kind of turned into a snob since I've had good fly fishing, like mm-hmm. with trout and a big old river and all that stuff. And I'm like in Kansas City, and it's like, yeah, I could go catch the crap out of bluegill or carp or whatever, but I just lack the motivation, and I'm just not excited by it. Yeah. And uh, so there's that, and I've gotten to, you know, really appreciate like food. Like I'm like. I love the convenience. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you need something, you're five minutes from it, ten mm-hmm. minutes away. You can go get it. Yeah, um, that is nice. It's true, yeah. So, um, But in the near-ish future, I'm hoping to get back out west and get back to it. Me too, man. And it's like that's why weekends like this are so uh, so valuable to me. Is it revitalizing it does, for you? Yeah, yeah. Where it's yeah. like I get to scratch that itch. You know, like I, there there are periods of time where I'm like, ah, I don't care that much to go bow hunting. You know, it's so much work. Like I didn't, you know, do a whole lot of it last year. I didn't, and I didn't go any last year because I was busy getting prepped for Padre and all that before, uh-huh. and so I didn't have time to shoot my bow and then kind of got the itch this year where I realized like, oh, I'm gonna have a period of time when deer hunting is going to be good and the peregrine's not ready. <laughs> so yeah. it was like all hands on deck, like shooting, you know, a bunch, trying to get sharp enough to be able to take a deer and, uh, the, you know, then coming up here to, to do it. So. Um, I was talking about this with my dad the other day, like, each of us has had a season, um, I think, where, like, it's worked out perfectly, where, like, we got a bird, and the bird wasn't quite ready yet, and then we shot a nice deer, and so we scratched that itch, and just in time, like, all right, bird's ready the next, you know, week or so, and then, like, a good old falconry season follows, uh, like that happened for him with his red tail razor. Oh yeah, that was the year that he, he shot that really nice one. Mm-hmm. Um, happened for me with Michonne. And then um, Asp, mm-hmm. I think, was yeah. the year you shot that. The ten point. I mean, he's a nine when you shot him, but ten no, that point was, last year. That was last year. That was the year of the Peregrine. Uh, I had one. Weekend. Oh, the year that we shot. The one on film. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Was the year you had asked. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, but it's that is fun. nice when that all lines up. You know, one, one thing that I've struggled with at times and, and definitely now, you know, living in a part of the state where hunting access or well, not necessarily hunting access, the, the caliber of hunting and the things I like to hunt is not nearly as readily available to me as it was when I lived up here is like facing those challenges of like 
actually getting out and it's like, eh, I'd have to drive four hours to go and, you know, hunt somewhere that I really want to hunt or, you know, whatever. And so it, it happens less. And that kind of ties back in a little bit to Boone. And like many, many times he'd run into Native Americans and they would steal all his furs, like take his gun. Yeah. And he'd just find a way. Like he, he was in debt for most of his life because he'd go into town and like he had this reputation oh. he had this reputation of this like big time hunter and so people would loan him he'd money so, so that he would get his you know his powder and his bullets and you know a new rifle and traps and whatever he needed and then he'd go out and have misfortune yeah and come back to town uh-huh. need more money to go out and do it again but he just kept doing it yeah kept doing it because it's what he loved to do yeah. Yeah. And even in the face of insane adversity. Yeah. You know, where, where men were being, you know, mutilated. Yeah. Because for, they were, on know, territory that the natives didn't want them on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He had to have some killer negotiation skills. <laughs> yeah. Did he get into some pickles? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't have any stories in particular that i know about but um it uh it's interesting because you know we we have all these things that kind of keep us from the stuff that we love to do you know like right now with my current position like i'm able to do fairly well what i like to do but like it's very very taxing you know i'm i'd get up at three in the morning a lot of days you know four days a week and then i've got three day weekends but when you're getting like five and six hours of sleep a night at best because you're like rushing you know rushing through your day at work get off fly home get the bird either you know runner up to the drone or drive around trying to find a duck slip real quick flyer get done stark outside get home get her put up let the dog out take care of the pigeons eat and by then it's like you got to shower and sleep like mm-hmm. and so just doing that day in and day out when the weather cooperates and when it's that time of year like it's very very taxing and then well, you know because the hawking isn't of a really high quality in general where i'm at I'm usually like trying to travel on the weekends to where I've got better opportunities. Uh-huh. And so that time when I'm usually, you know, recuperating from the work week, I'm burning the candle at the other end. Yeah. So it, hundred percent. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this for the next 40 years of working. Like it's, it's a pretty physically demanding job and it's just, I don't think I'm capable of, doing it for decades on end without my body breaking down to some degree. And so I'm, you know, always open to the idea of, you know, a career and something that I'm passionate about or whatever that may be. And one of the interesting observations that the, that the author made about Boone, I'll just read 
this is a direct quote, I think. It's an odd fact that those who accomplish the most after spent, uh, I'm sorry. It's an odd fact that those who accomplish the most often spend years, the first half of their lives, fumbling and stumbling, trying to find what it is they are to accomplish. And that's like, I mean, a big part of his life, it was exactly that of, you know, just kind of stumbling around in the woods and losing all his gear and going back and doing it again. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And and I feel that. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, I've, I've done a bunch of different jobs just, you know, and I've had good opportunities and I've been very fortunate and thankful for those jobs. But a lot of time I just feel like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, it's kind of like what we talked about where we have a tendency to keep or to try and keep too many people happy at one time. Yeah. And you've got all these spinning plates that you're trying to keep in the air. Mm-hmm. And you, so you make concessions here so that you can keep this one up in the air when sometimes you just need to like commit to something. Yeah. And Instead of half-assing a bunch of things whole ass one thing yeah for a minute yeah yeah but i have a really hard time yeah because that that's not gonna happen with falconry i can't say i'm not working for five years until i get you know a brace of bird dogs going and i've got you know three made falcons that i'm flying and i've got a bunch of prairie chicken spots or whatever yeah it's not like it's not how that's going to happen. It's going to be, okay, you need to cool it on all this other stuff that you do, buckle down for a decade. Yeah. Maybe not even fly during that time. Yeah. And that way you can get enough wealth generated where you can have, you know, the situation that you want. And I have a really hard time giving up on the fun and opportunity of today for a potential fun an opportunity to like years down the road because yeah you never know what's going to happen in that time frame and likely is not you're going to give up your youth and your ability to do the things that you want to do yeah i yeah i mean i like i'm 27 and i already feel like i'm running out of time oh yeah because like I I don't feel real strongly about it, but I think I want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And like... God help us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are in trouble. <laughs> um, the world is in trouble. Uh, but, like, I don't want to be an old man that, that can't, like, play with his kids and kick their butt in sports. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to, when they're, like, you know, 15, I want to still be able to kick their butt in right. basketball or baseball or whatever, uh, or any any kind of um, outdoor or competitive whatever activity, you know? I mean, you yeah. uh, do you feel, do you feel the pressure to be a hero for your kid, to be, like, the man? Of course, you kind of want that. Yeah. But I am who I am. Yeah. And I 
That's an interesting question. When you wrestle with your kid, do you let him win sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. And he loves to wrestle. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's that's kind of his and I's thing. Do you, uh, do you ever make a point, obviously never hurt him, but do you ever, like, showcase your strength? Uh, yeah, like I, like, whoop Like, up, flip whoop him up around up. and oh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, he, so I was, I was picked on a lot as a kid. Like, I, I was a pretty small kid yeah. up until, well, I was a big kid up until, like, third grade and then I didn't grow again until my like sophomore year of high school. Yeah. And so, you know, middle school and high school when we moved around a lot was pretty rough on me. And I Yeah, especially I, being a new kid everywhere. Yeah, and a new kid in this town was it was not fun. Yeah, I bet. But you know, I, I want better for him. I uh-huh. want him to have more self confidence. And so I try and balance that of like, hey look, like this is what it's like to like, you know, face adversity of somebody who's bigger and stronger than you and you don't give up uh-huh. and push through it but also like you know give him enough of a victory of like oh yeah like or it's like you know you don't break his spirit but you also don't just um hand him everything or, right. or like make it too easy for him right because that's Try to make him strong. I didn't have enough adversity when yeah. I was his age. And huh. one, one of the things that I really would like to do with him is um, do some kind of organ, organized sports um, uh-huh. and some kind of mixed martial arts stuff. I always wanted to as a kid, uh-huh. but we couldn't really afford it. And um, we only moved around a lot, so it was hard to, to make that happen. But that... That arena seems to really forge people well, of like, like especially like jujitsu, where you're uh-huh. not getting hit in the head. You know, you're getting submitted constantly, and and still coming back, and you know, and pushing yourself, and and learning something that's very, very valuable that gives you that confidence of okay, if if I get into a physical altercation, which you know, is an inevitability in a lot of people's lives. I know it, it was for me, um, even though I've never really been in a serious fight, but of being confident enough to like, know you can handle yourself, which I was not confident in that. And so like you're walking around the world, really timid, afraid of other people because you don't know what they can do to you. But if you know, like that you can handle yourself well, then that is jujitsu like submissions and st- I mean like yeah. holds and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like is there striking in jujitsu? No. Okay. No. So like grappling. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's um, where you know I'd like him to start. I think it's a good idea to learn how to throw a punch too, and and I, I want to learn a lot of that stuff. I I'm a big fan of the UFC, and I you know know very very little about like the actual like i can throw up a triangle but i don't know how to really do that on somebody that doesn't want you to do it on it like i can do right. it on my four-year-old but yeah you know doing it on a, a you know whatever a man is a very different thing than yeah you know, a little toddler that i can push around i like to put my girlfriend in an arm bar <laughs> i mean because she doesn't know 
but she's like pretty strong and like i would not want to get in a serious physical altercation with her Uh i think she could probably kick my butt but i just know that one move and i know it's really effective if you can get somebody in it (laughs) (laughs) and so i just try to work that hold in and and then i win gotcha well i'll show her how to do a triangle tonight on you no no (laughs) don't do that no she doesn't need any help i'm the one that needs help (laughs) yeah well it's kind of getting that time where we need to be heading to the stand okay um any closing remarks Mm -hmm. i want to see more of the world yeah and and this incredible country we get to call home at the uh time that we're recording this um the election just happened and yeah there's officially yeah well kind of yeah yeah and so there's a lot up in the air there's a lot of animosity to your fellow man and yeah we have a lot to be thankful for and this this country is pretty incredible and has a lot to offer for everybody especially people that love the outdoors as much as you and i do so i'm really hoping that over the next few months we're able to get out enjoy some of our amazing public lands that every single one of us in this country have deed to and get to uh get to see some of this great nation yeah how about yourself no i'm good all right let's go do some bow hunting game on life short stupid and as always thank you for listening and happy hawking